Hey guys, what is up? What's happening? Welcome to Euroforest. I'm Matthew Christoph, and uh, today I've got a cool one regarding ecosystem-based management. What's ecosystem-based management, you ask? I have no idea. <laughs> it's uh, We did a whole workshop trying to figure out what that means and how we can become more inclusive and sustainable and looking at the whole picture, the whole ecosystem as a whole, rather than focusing on and managing individual parts you know what i mean so trying to instead of having like one conservation group focusing on grizzly bears and managing the whole landscape for grizzly bears and wanting to do that and then having another group about caribou and then having another group about the headwaters and everyone's focused on their one particular issue and not really collaborating right so and and timber same thing with forest industry um so this ecosystem-based management is the idea we are going to try to look at it from the ecosystem not individual issues and values but the all the values together and try to manage them as a whole unit so that they're all sustainable through time um anyways i brought on uh two different people um first one uh ed grumbine and uh he's done a bunch of different stuff uh he, he's been working to bring science info into the u.s uh, federal land management since the 1980s. He lived in China as a senior international scholar for the Chinese Academy of Sciences, focusing on protected area and water issues. Uh, he's also he's an author of multiple scientific papers, three books on biodiversity. Um, yeah, he's really knowledgeable dude. Some people call him the the father of ecosystem based management, or one of. And, uh, yeah, it was a really great conversation. Uh, we only got 26 minutes with him. We, he was, he's only up for a day and he has lots going on and, uh, he had done a full day of, of talking. And so <laughs> I didn't want to, didn't want to wear him out, but he, he's really passionate about this kind of stuff and it was really cool to get to talk to him. So we can hear about ecosystem based management and kind of his thoughts on it and, and where he kind of thinks it's heading, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys like it. Uh, sponsors, same three, Greenlink Forestry. Thank you very much. Couldn't do without you. Forest Resource Improvement Association, same thing. Could not do this without you guys. Uh, thank you so much. Also, Damaged Timber is an apparel company out of Edmonton supporting environmental sciences through the sale of their clothing. 10% of it, of what they sell, goes towards a scholarship they're trying to create for environmental science students. Uh, so if you want to support something like that and you're looking for a hat or a toque or a sweater, really cool stuff. The, the logo is a, is a caribou hoof with... Uh, some trees silhouetted in it. It's really neat. And, uh, yeah, my favorite hats there. I, I love their stuff. It's really cool. Uh, you can put in your forest 10 at checkout and you can get 10% off and they're always having all kinds of sales and stuff like that. So those are the sponsors. Thanks a lot for listening guys. I think you guys are going to like this one. Uh, Ed is awesome. Really cool guy. Thanks a lot. Here we go. First of all, thanks a lot for agreeing to do this. This will be awesome. Uh, I, I have to admit, I've, I hadn't heard of you before a, a couple of weeks ago and uh saw that you've you've done a, had a couple of books out and you're involved with a bunch of research and stuff like that how did you first get involved in environmental sciences how did that like what what drove your passion for that well um it's the 21st century today <laughs> and uh we have to go back to the 20th century to answer that question so uh think of a time uh when we didn't know much about habitat fragmentation we had no clue about disturbance and its role in shaping forests. Uh, the field of conservation biology didn't even exist 
There was no journal. There was no uh, major you could take at university. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, we don't have to go too far back. We're talking the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And then things started coming together. Uh, leaders appeared. Um, papers and research were produced that that gave us a sense of what we were missing in our land management practices. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a professional society was born. Uh, uh, managers began to learn of a lot of new things very rapidly. And as, as a younger person back then, uh, I was part of uh, that, that edge. Uh, and specifically what drove me as, as a U.S. citizen mm-hmm. was... Um, what we needed to do in our federal lands management um, that could improve upon what we were doing, gotcha. we we had we had in, we had models that were lacking many critical pieces, mm-hmm. and so I took what was coming out of the science literature and 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 attempted to use that as a filter to understand what was missing from our federal lands management policy. Mm. And and so putting those two things together got me started on the path uh, where I sit sit with you today. That's awesome. Yeah, I know that, that's what it <clears throat> takes, right? Just being able to see in between the lines and, and figure out what we're missing, right? That's great. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, you've been called, someone here mentioned you might be one of the, the fathers of ecosystem-based management. Uh, <laughs> I was in the right place at the right time. So, uh, to that, let's, let's just get right off the base or off the bat. Um, ecosystem based management. It's a concept that, uh, like, even in school, it sounded really, really good, right? I'm like, ecosystem based management. Yes. Like, that sounds so perfect, right? But what is it, right? So, like, I think a lot of people, especially in the forest industry, and it's not just a forest industry concern, it's, it's a, a global concern around agriculture and, land in general not just forestry but um speaking to that and just it it sounds really good people in in school think that that's what we're doing we're doing ecosystem-based management we plan around multiple use values like like water and timber and 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 habitat and biodiversity and uh, traditional use right by indigenous peoples and stuff and sure we plan around that but how is ecosystem-based management different from that how is it how is it evolving so i yeah let's just get into the basis of it what is it and how is it different from what we're currently doing well um i would say ecosystem-based management let's call it ebm um is holistic both in terms of um the different uh, biological and ecological details uh species versus uh habitat management versus uh terrestrial versus marine watersheds ecosystem based management tries to capture all the the ecological pieces of the puzzle mm-hmm. so that's one part of it you might call that the e part of ecosystem based management uh but the m part is more process oriented how we go about doing that management do we do we do it top down do we do it bottom up do we collaborate do we uh, do we uh, create dictums in federal law or policy or provincial law or policy that that demand that we do this a certain way or follow this prescription? Right. So um, the E part uh, kind of is the baseline. Um, this is what species and ecosystems uh, need uh, from us to f- continue to function healthily. 
How we do that is the uh, is the other big piece. We and ecosystem based management folks would want us to do more rather than less collaboration, more uh, rather than less uh, working together with diverse groups of stakeholders, uh, be more rather than less inclusive in how we deliberate together to construct uh, the best management practices going forward. Uh, so that, that, that would be one way to frame EBM. Right. So basically, I guess, instead of looking, having uh, organizations or companies that have, they're focused on one specific resource and, and managing that one resource, say it be a, let it be water or timber or whatever it is, or conservation groups managing bear habitat or, or owls or whatever. Um, you're talking about a system that's allowing collaboration, bring together all of those groups and look at it from a higher perspective so that we can see the impact that each one has on the other. So, so right now there's an argument that we're, for example, in the forest industry, like I said, I'm a forester. That's where I'm, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, there's an argument that we're kind of in a timber based approach and that we were thinking about those other values and they're, they're on our minds. But I mean, even myself, I would argue that they're not playing a big enough role. And like there, there, there's certain, there's all kinds of stuff. I would argue we're doing a great job, but it can always be better. We're always moving forward and evolving the industry and trying to get it to a place where we're emulating natural disturbance as much as possible and having the minimal amount of impact. Right. So, so yeah, I guess it's just kind of a, a collaboration of, of management and trying not to focus on individual problems as much as the grand scheme, I suppose. Right. Uh, well, I would say focus on the individual problems, but knit them into a larger whole. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to have specific information about how ecosystems function or, say, the habitat needs of woodland caribou mm-hmm. or any other particular species of concern. Mm-hmm. But, but you have to, uh, you know, one, one way I look at it is if you're doing EBM, you're, you're working on a specific problem, but you, you think about one step higher and one step lower from where your problem sits mm-hmm. so that so you can get a context that will help you change up a, a little bit and sometimes a lot how you manage your specific problem right another another piece uh, of EBM would be uh, learning to adapt to a changing world and you just captured some of that a moment ago when you used the disturbance word mm-hmm. the d word um <laughs> you know back in the 80s when ebm was just getting off the ground um d- uh, managing for disturbance really didn't happen right. so it, it's not like ebm is all of a sudden here today it, it's been here and and we have made a lot of progress incorporating some of the elements that the ebm f- EBM would direct our attention to disturbance being one of the critical critical ones, especially in a, a fire based system like boreal forests are. Yeah. Um, so w- what happened is b- before we we understood the role of disturbance in boreal systems, um, we 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 managed as if disturbance didn't exist, and that cre- has created some problems for us in the present day. That EBM can help us. Uh, resolve. Right. Um, there's a lot of biomass out there, uh, where our, many of our forest service are way out of whack in terms of, uh, their, their range of natural variability that, um, 
that if we look back in the historical record of how the ecosystems are structured, you know, we're, we're not there anymore. Yeah. So what do we do to get back to that? That, that partly would be ecosystem based management. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, that, and that's the tough thing, right? And we always want to, we kind of want to tell ourselves that that's what we're doing, but, and we're, I think we're right. I think we are, we've been moving towards that since the beginning. And we're in the middle of it now, right? And, and it's about making it better and constantly improving and including, being more inclusive of specific values that are maybe not being focused on. For, for example, traditional use from indigenous people. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's a huge one that I know, uh, at least I know a few, a few projects here in Alberta that are working towards creating inventories that allow, put that into the forest, uh, inventory, their timber inventory and kind of include that as part of the value scheme. Right. And it's, and that's super important. And I'm glad we're doing that. And that's, it's amazing to think that that hasn't happened yet. And that's just happening now. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it, I think some people might take offense to the idea that we're maybe not doing ecosystem based management. They would argue that we are. And I would say, yeah, we probably are to some extent. We are definitely are, but there's always room for. <laughs> Improvement, right? Well, look at it this way. Um, think, think of EBM as part of a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and think of, um, think of your own schooling, uh, as an example of a personal learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, w- w- some people say that when you stop learning, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, when you stop, uh, w- when you stop doing EBM, you might have a bigger problem than the the problems that EBM is trying to resolve. So in other words, if 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 new information leads to new awareness, leads to new learning, mm-hmm. then uh the end of that is not a perfect scenario. The end of that is doing better than you did before. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next chapter will be more new learning if you remain open to it, yeah. and then you'll do better in chapter 3. And, yeah. and, but there, are, there aren't any, uh, final chapters in the story of learning uh, until, um, until you're, you're retired or passed or something like that. So, um, the cool thing about EBM is that it recognizes the learning cycle as a, 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 a part of management systems. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, there's no end product other than the process of continuing adapting to new learning mm-hmm. about a changing world. Right. And when we have uh, climate-driven change, which is triggering r- rapid, large-scale changes, uh, both in the boreal forest and in, in, the, in the global climate system, mm-hmm. uh, that, that compels us to, um, to keep learning and maybe even increase the rate of our learning as as the rate of change in our ecosystems increases. Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. It's exactly like you said, right? Every time we get better at something, it opens up a new door, and we realize that we're missing this much more, right? It just it's, just, it's continual. It's never. It's not like. So I guess that's an. I'll ask you that question at the end. I gotta <laughs> try and make sense of this and follow a timeline of some kind. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is how do we how do we go about assessing value um, like non-monetary value in ecosystem services? Right. So for example, right now, again, forestry, I'm a forester. Yeah. <laughs> um, timber is valued at a, a dollar value. Right. And we have, we plan for water, but how do we, how do we put some kind of equivalent value on habitat 
and water and air and carbon capture and indigenous use that allows us to create this is kind of making it sound like it's all monetary but that's not what i mean i mean allowing us to create a, a decision matrix that tells us should we or should we not do this action on the landscape right and i think right now it's all based off of it's all based off of ideals and people say, well, I'm a conservationist. I think that we should conserve this landscape and leave it for old growth and caribou and on and on. And the timber guy says, well, the caribou don't use that. And we're like, we, we, we could use the sustainable resource, which is wood and the water. You know what I mean? Everyone's got, and it's all based on that. And right now the decisions are being based off of which one's more popular. It seems like, do you have any idea how we could create a system that would allow us the decision matrix, like I said, of how to make those decisions without having to, you know, ask the biased people what, you know what I mean? I mean, that's that long-term down the line. I'm, I'm thinking that's kind of where we need to go. Right. I'm not sure if you've thought, uh, if you have any thoughts on that at all. Well, it's a tough question. Uh, and so I don't have anything that's a slam dunk answer. I wouldn't expect that. If uh, you did, I would, I might be. <laughs> then I w- maybe I would be uh, wealthier than I am right now. Or, uh, I'm not expecting you to be a god. We'll be okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's an impossible question, really. So, so one, one way to answer it from an EBM perspective is that nobody has a corner on wisdom, uh, whether it's scientific information or uh, social understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one in in when nobody has all the answers uh, a lot of people working collaboratively may construct a, a more durable answer than a few experts who who have by definition uh, less information mm-hmm. so um, you work with people and the you expand the circle out and try to capture as much of uh, the values that exist out there. Mm-hmm. So that that's one strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> there are some things that are not particularly negotiable. Mm-hmm. Uh, climate change would be the, the one that's um, of most concern to me these days. Yeah. Um, we can choose, as we more or less have been choosing, to not do anything about it. Um, or, Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, but but at at some point, um, uh, there will be a, a a critical mass will be ha- have been reached, uh, tipping points will have been tipped, mm-hmm. and um, we'll have at the end of the day less dis- decision space than we might have had if we had worked on this uh, earlier. Uh, so what I'm what I'm trying to say is, um, humans are complex animals. Uh, and we have, because of our system of government and because of the constraints of our economic system, mm-hmm. we tend to privilege um, hierarchy, we tend to privilege um, uh, bottom lines, and yeah. we, we don't construct very um, broad-scale cost-benefit analyses. Um, but the more we put attention into doing that, um, the, 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 will capture more of the diversity of opinion out there and will over time have something more durable result. Thank God it, for the internet. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, um, there's plenty of scientific information out there, but it's not well understood by, uh, um, outside of the academic or expert 
or even managerial community. Yeah. And so communications is a key part of EBM and, and should be a, a key part of any management system. Uh, but we have all, we have also, um, assumed because of our culture of expertise that if that, that more information solves problems. Yeah. But if no one understands that information or has access to it, uh, then the information doesn't necessarily, uh, uh, create progress. Yeah, uh, I, I've worked in some uh, countries where uh, there, there's even less transparency and even less information available to the, the common folks uh, than exists in Canada or the U.S. Mm-hmm. And that just has helped me understand um, how important communications is and open, transparent systems yeah. uh, better than... I couldn't really understand that until I left... Our, our, our rule of law based system and worked in systems with EBM goals where rule of law was much less secure. Mm-hmm. So there, uh, being inclusive is usually better and ecosystem based management makes it a, a key, a key element of the system. Uh, inclusivity is valued over exclusivity. Yeah. Um, it's not like experts um, don't have a, a leg up on, uh, through their expertise, uh, but how that's communicated and and how 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 that's captured in a, a democratic system uh, is, is both a challenge and and a value that comes out of EBM. Yeah, no kidding. I can be ignorant. And my vote still counts. Yep. Um, so uh, compared to an expert who might not be ignorant about fire cycles, uh, but he or she still has a vote and only one vote too. Yeah. So ha- given that disparity in a social system, how do you bring those different elements into conversation together mm-hmm. uh, is, is one of the challenges of EBM. Right. So trying to bring scientific literacy to society, which is... An age-old problem, right? Like, yes. <laughs> I've said that. I don't know how many how many episodes I've said that. Wow, it seems like education, public education, seems to be the problem or the solution to our problem, right? And it's it's true, and that's I think that's what's what's good about well, to, not to toot my own horn, but trying to do stuff like this where people can listen in to experts like yourself talk about this kind of stuff, right? And in a setting where they can understand what you're saying, not just a, a, a a non-contextual blurb that a reporter decided to pull out of an interview or something, right? Um, so how, how do you think, um, this is more on the social side of it. How do you uh. think we can make this seem, uh, one of the last questions that was said at the workshop here that we're at was how do we make this seem less like a constraint on, on society and on values and more like an opportunity to, to better ourselves and better our future. How do you, how do you think we start to do that? Start to change people's minds to, to accept that, yeah, we might ha- not be able to go quadding in this area as much as we used to because it's making an impact and we may not be able to harvest this or we may not, whatever it is, right? Or may, may need to do more burning or whatever. Mm. Um, I think people see these types of things when you start pulling away their, what they have done in the past they think that that's removing their rights, right? Whereas they don't ask themselves whether or not they should have been allowed to do that thing in the first place. So how do we, how do we ease the public into understanding that things are going to change and they're going to have to, if we want to keep things 
more or less the way they are or the way they should be ecologically for the foreseeable future, right? So that's what I'm all wondering. It's just as far as the social side of it. It's it's, again, another impossible question. (laughs) Well, I'll give you an impossible answer. Um, I have found valuable, not just in, in, in my own work, but in, in listening to the stories of, of managers who are being asked the same questions due to the management problems they face. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm less interested in a particular detail of a particular management issue, and I'm more interested in how to help people uh, cultivate a sense of of being able to be to new learn new things Mm -hmm. so it almost doesn't make any difference what the problem is Mm -hmm. um it's all about your attitude going into whatever problem it you might be faced with for sure so how can i remain open to new information uh it would help that when the experts generate new information, they do it in a manner that, that is accessible and understandable. Mm-hmm. But let's say that occurs. Even if I understand the new information, how do I uh, keep myself flexible and adaptive to learning new things? If, so whatever, whatever specific skills would help me remain flexible and open to change mm-hmm. um, is is what we need to do as a society to um, be able to um, deal with the coming stressors that that we'll face. Mm-hmm. Um, how so? It almost if you have those basic skills, it's almost like um, a basic skill that that we 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 get in our schooling, which is how to think critically. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any difference what specific topic you need to think critically about Mm -hmm. but if you have the skill of thinking critically then you'll make more progress working through the costs the benefits the context the details the macro view because you you have been trained and now you get the critical thinking process the same thing with adaptive learning being open and flexible to new information it's just in one of those core human skills that's teachable um that that we need to do a better job of preparing ourselves to do by teaching those skills to to younger generations and being open as an older generation to maintaining those skills in ourselves yeah no, that's, and I think that's applicable to pretty much anything in life, right? Yep. Just be open to new information. Don't feel like it's going against your values or what you did or what you stood for. Just understand that things are changing and let's take in this new information, think about it rationally and critically and come up with a new set of ideals rather than taking it as a, a bash on ourselves. The last thing I was going to ask you was, was, was if you had any information or any uh, advice for maybe force professionals listening. Um, if they wanted to take action and, and start implementing more ecosystem-based management stuff, what would you say? And I'm guessing you'd probably say that, exactly what you just said. I would, and I, I would say something like, um, well, think about what your uh, job requires you to engage with, but you feel like you're not very prepared. Mm. Maybe you lack a certain skill set mm-hmm. or, or or something like that. So I go back to my schooling and I say, well, I didn't get any training in um, working with groups. 
I didn't get uh, any um, coursework in communicating the results of my science. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't get training in um, how to listen to people. Um, That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't get a, a lot of different training. Yep. And so um, as a, a manager in the present tense, um, if you're having trouble solving a problem, look at your skill set. You probably have already done this without being uh, focused on it. Mm-hmm. And you say, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. Or how do I solve this problem? I don't have that. So my, my advice is do a little critical thinking about what's lacking in your toolkit mm-hmm. and then go out and buy some tools. Yeah. Um, go, go take some workshops, get in course, uh, t- training. Uh, uh, if in, in the U.S., our managers go to tr- uh, in in service training all the time. Mm-hmm. Just see what you need that you didn't get that might help you uh, become a better manager, uh, and then and then go out and get it. Yeah. That's 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 one answer to the question. That's awesome. No, I I wouldn't I couldn't couldn't sum it up better myself. That's yeah. perfect. So yeah, yeah, we're sitting at twenty six minutes. We're already six minutes over what I said that we'd do. So we better shut her down. But I well, appreciate you coming on. This was yeah. uh, this was awesome. And if you're ever back in the city, let's let's do this again. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I I used to be a, a teacher for most of my career, and uh, the best teachers I ever met were those that were always willing to learn from their students. So there's a, there's a generational thing going on here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to talk about old school, don't do social media. New school, that's all people do, but. Um, if you if you get into communication, um, the world changes, yeah. and and you have to stay with those changes. You have to keep surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who loves surfing wants to stay on the wave. <laughs> yeah. And and e- e- ecosystem ecosystem based managers need to learn how to cultivate that that the challenge of staying on a wave. Yeah, that's perfect. I love it. Yeah. Thanks a lot for coming. Thank on. you. This is awesome. This is great. Perfect. <laughs>